Girl, I've got two words for you. What? Babushka. <laughs> I have another word for you. What? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm like, did I watch the right movie? Yes. So the babushka lady is this woman. She's on the grassy knoll right in front of the president with a camera when the president was shot. Okay. So like there's a pruder from but better. She's never been identified. She's never come forward. Oh my God. In every image, she's wearing a long trench coat and a babushka around her hair and her head. So you only ever see her from behind. There's from very far away, you can sort of see an image of her face that they've tried to like enhance. At one point, like in the 70s or the 80s, some lady came forward and said she was the Babushka lady wrote a book. Yeah, and her father's the Zodiac Killer. Right. We've been down this road before. <laughs> I'm just saying the Babushka lady, she has a camera with images of the president, the, of the assassination. She was right there. Much closer than the Zabuda Much film. Much closer. That's, uh, this whole case is so frustrating. I know, I know. Because then it's like, I'm going to give it a goog, and what? It's going to be grainy photos from the Zabuda film of this woman's <laughs> back, and like, just conspiracy theories. And then I'm just like, ugh. I know, I know. She looks like a golden girl. Okay, girl, before we get into it, we got to say a couple of things. Yeah. We have a whole new merch page. <gasps> you guys, six brand new designs. Yes. Go to our merch store just on our website. Just go to truecrimeobsessed.com. Click the merch thing. Steve, my husband, our new business manager, mm-hmm. worked so hard with our graphic designer yes. to get these images done, to get them up in the store. You guys, there's six new ones now. We're adding at least one or two new ones every month. And just go check them out. People are, the, the designs are gorge. The They're, store is gorge. I mean, I'm, I, it's, I'm I'm so excited about all of it, and I, spoiler, know what's coming, because I'm <laughs> one half of this podcast, but you guys are going to get so excited. Other than that, you guys, Patreon, it's time to join! It's, I don't know how many times we have to say it. We'll say it every episode anyway. <laughs> Complete episode-by-episode coverage of Serial Season 1, mm-hmm. The Staircase. The Jinx. The Jinx, and now we're up to episode 3 of Making a Murderer. I've, I have a pronouncement. I'm enjoying doing Making a Murderer as much as I was do- enjoying The Jinx. Really? The Jinx is my favorite thing we've ever done. I am so loving doing Making a Murderer. I can't even tell you. And in episode three. Yeah. <laughs> 17 more. And they're all an hour and seven minutes. I know. But you only have to pay attention to like 24 minutes of each of them. <laughs> I know. It's kind of true. I'm sorry. It's like how many heartbreaking phone calls with Brendan Dassey do we have to listen to before I want to throw myself out a window? They all Answer start- one. I know. They all start with Brandon and his mom. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, you guys, our live shows are almost sold out. We <gasps> Our New Orleans show is sold out. Our mm-hmm. Chicago show, the last report, we have two tickets left for the 6.30. We have 18 tickets left for the 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some tickets left for New York shows in February. Come see us. Yeah. And, of course, the Pride show. <gasps> It's like, in a big theater, you guys. Yeah. We're having drag queens. It's going to be outrageous. Yeah, we've had the idea for the, the Pride show for a very long time. Yeah. So it just, uh, yeah, it's a long time in the making. Julian was like the first day we sat down. She's like, do you want to make a true crime podcast? I was like, can we do a Pride show? <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Oswald's ghost. Yeah. As in Lee Harvey. It's so crazy because it opens with like modern day Dealey Plaza. Yeah. Which like, I forgot how much I'm dying to go there. Have you never gone? Have you? No. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me about your like amazing weekend in Dealey Plaza. <laughs> that would have been, we would have done this episode much sooner, much earlier in our run. The X on the road where oh like the, where he actually got shot. And I was thinking like, 
How many crazy people like me have lost their lives trying to like get their picture taken on the X? You know what? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, God, what? This documentary, I'm sorry, kind of goes off the rails. There are some <laughs> points where I'm like, this is a straight up conspiracy theory documentary. Right? <laughs> I'm super here for it. But it, then when they like show the Zabruder film, like you're seeing someone get murdered. I know. It is the most. I know. And then it's just like, and then Bobby Ken, and just watching it is just like, this is real. It's true. Like this all happened and that's the president and we have this video. It's mind blowing to me. I'm just a patsy. I emphatically deny these charges. How could someone as inconsequential as Lee Harvey Oswald have killed someone as consequential as John F. Kennedy? Was this uh, any indication that this was an organized plot or was it just one man? There's no one else but him. Naturally, conspiracy theories began immediately. You're a CIA. The South Vietnamese. Castro. Killed your president. President's head went forward, backward sharply, and to the left. It's a pristine bone. It's an amazing story. I think it's very natural that people go to conspiracy theories. And sometimes conspiracy theories turn out to be true. The impression is that we're facing power structures or conspiratorial cliques that apparently will stop at nothing. These people want the investigation stopped. Please believe me. Well, I want to say one thing to me, Mr. Lay, that there may be a slight misunderstanding I'm here. I'm afraid there is. Oswald is a ghost who sits upon uh, American life. What's abominable about ghosts is you never know the answer. Because the ghost doesn't tell you. I'm just a patsy. So it opens with like one of these, one of these, you guys, there's so many talking heads, I can't even handle it. Yeah. But one of them is saying... The President of the United States is shot down at high noon in a public square with some 400 or 500 people looking on with maybe at least 38 of them taking film and photos. And now over 40 years later, uh, we don't know what happened. And then, of course, it says, as long as there's a mystery at the center of this case, it'll never be solved. Which is true and infuriating. It is true. And also, this documentary doesn't do much to help. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it's just, it's as frustrating yeah. as the whole case. But we get, you know, there's like, you know, Norman Mailer, and then there are these historians, and then Josiah Thompson, who's an investigator. And it's all people who are like, there were at least 18 shots from seven different locations. <laughs> there's no way there was one bullet. Conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. And then no. Nobody on the other side of it. One of the first people we meet is this woman I love. Her name is uh, Priscilla Johnson McMillan. She's a historian. <laughs> she has <laughs> stories. When a friend came and told me that Kennedy had been shot, and I said, well, have they caught anyone? And she said, yes, his name is Lee. <sighs> and I knew the rest. 
she's like, oh, someone told me Lee Harvey. I know him. I was like, you <laughs> know. know him? She worked for the president. She worked for JFK and she knew Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, why, why is she not being questioned more? <laughs> but it was during the interview with Priscilla that we see the piece of the Zapruder film where we see the babushka lady and I screamed. Yeah, and you sent me a picture. I was like, cool. <laughs> sure, Jan. Also, just right from the beginning, you guys know how much I live for old footage. Oh, there's so much in this. Almost the entire film. If it's not Talking Heads. Yeah. It's this old footage from that day or from around that day. It is bananas. It's true. So we get like a news report from 1963. We find out the president's been shot. Lee Harvey Oswald's in custody. We get a little bit of like information on who this guy is. Right. In Dallas, the prime suspect still is being questioned. He is 24-year-old Lee Oswald of Dallas, a former Marine who spent some time in Russia, who at one time had applied for Soviet citizenship. Oswald denies killing President Kennedy, says he is being held because he was in Russia. So Lee Harvey Oswald is brought to the Dallas police station and thus begins a series of Lee Harvey Oswald being taken from one room to another room to another room to another room 800 times. Right. Well, after he shot from the window, yeah. he bolted. Right. Like you do. Right. Uh, a little pressure on him. Ooh, tough crowd. And so he bails and then... <laughs> He ends up killing a police officer also in addition to this. So he's being moved around and then when we finally see him, he's got like a shiner (laughs) and he's got like a little bit of a bloody face. So I think it's just like, does anyone else want to beat the shit out of this guy who just killed the president and one of our own? Like, is there any... I like some legal representation but these police officers have not allowed me to, to have any. I uh, I don't know what this is all about. No, sir, I didn't. People keep asking me that. We see so much footage of this Dallas police station with every reporter in the world. Hacked. And then Lee Harvey Oswald being dragged from one door to an elevator, from an elevator to a closet. Yes. To a... It's the longest perp walk I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And it's almost like they couldn't find the right room. Like they walked into the, oh no. This, uh, this yeah, is... but they're like, we have to look like we know exactly what we're doing. Exactly. So let's just keep them walking. <laughs> the guy who just killed the president. And all he does is talk about how he wants a lawyer. He's this innocent. Is, he's innocent. It's all because he's a communist. Right. And I'm like, ooh, shit, things are getting juicy. Did you Come on, man. No, they're taking me in because of the fact that I lived in the Soviet Union. I'm just a patsy. So then we meet, you guys, we meet the luckiest reporter on earth, this guy Hugh Ainsworth. Yes. Oh, my God. It's like, the, he has the most amazing story. So he's talking about how, like, he went to have, like, coffee with his friends at the Dallas Morning News and had nothing else to do that day. So about, I guess about 11 o'clock, I decided I'll just walk over. And every day the president comes to town, you know. As he goes by, two or three seconds later, I hear a, a pop. I think it's a motorcycle backfire because the motorcycle had just gone by. And then suddenly, a second or two later, another and then another. Three shots. And then, and we'll get back to Hugh Ainsworth in a minute, but then we see Dan Rather. And then we remember that Dan Rather was like a local Dallas reporter. He was there that day. I didn't know that anything had happened. A lot of people in the crowd itself had no idea what had happened. But when I saw people running, pointing, shouting, I said, well, i got to get back to the station. Yeah. But he was another like, oh, I know him. Yeah. Ooh, hey, Dan Rather. I felt like young Dan Rather was foxy. It's crazy. And he's like younger than we are now. And he's like th- dealing with the biggest news story in the history of the world. Yeah. And we both just turned 21. So right. he must have been, God, to be an 18-year-old reporter <laughs> covering yeah. the assassination. It's true, like right out of college. Right. Same. Oh, but the thing is, our, the lucky reporter, he, he ends up interviewing the one eyewitness. 
I was interviewing everyone who thought they saw anything or heard anything. One of the first people I interviewed was the real one eyewitness that sat on the parapet just across from Oswald and watched him for several minutes in the window. Yeah, he had a rifle for like 20 minutes and he was staring at the president and then he shot it and then the president was dead. Do you mean him? Do you think they're related? And Hugh Hainsworth is like... Do you think he did it? Yeah, do you think he did it? And he's like, girl, yeah, slower. I need to write it down. This is pre-recorders, you guys. I'm writing everything down on my little notepad. And then we get this footage of the cops. This just made me laugh because it's a comedy. The cops were like ransacking the Texas Book Depot. Like they're finding his gun. Yeah, it's just like gunshots. Now utter chaos, right? Chaos. But these cops that are like frantically running, number one, they're all 500 pounds. Uh-huh. And number two, they all have cigarettes wagging out of their mouth. Yes. They're in, they're like, they're holding the evidence with like gonna, cigarettes in their mouth. I was going to say they're holding the donuts. Right. <laughs> they still have like the napkin in their, their collar from their big gigantic lunches. Yeah. It was the 60s. Then suddenly a call comes over the radio that an officer was shot and Hugh, lucky Hugh, was just like, feel like they're related somehow. Like, <laughs> Someone shoots at the president here, somebody shoots a cop three or four miles away. So I grabbed two guys and we drove like mad. Got there just in time to interview three or four people who had seen him shoot Mr. Tippett. And they're describing the same exact person that was described in the exactly. window like, with the rifle. Exactly, looks great in a t-shirt, like dark, Girl, thin, in good shape. Don't. <laughs> don't. I'm going to start whining, and that's never good for anybody. Or are you guys talking about the guy that looks great in a t-shirt? He's got, like, muscles. Dan Rather. Right. <laughs> I'm going with Dan Rather. And then they said the suspect seen in a Texas theater, which was about a block or so from where Tippett was killed. So I took off running to the Texas theater. You guys, this reporter who literally had nothing better to do this this morning yeah. walks into the theater. There's like one person sitting watching a movie. It's Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. The cops are walking up the aisle. Right. They did that whole like, oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Like, it was like <laughs> Hugh walking in to be like, is he here? And the cops are like, oh, excuse me. Sorry. We just got to get the, the guy who just killed the president. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. And right in front of me, maybe 15, 20 feet, they jumped on Oswald. And he put up a big fight. All I heard him say is that I protest this police brutality. He said that twice. So then we see the famous Walter Cronkite announcement where she can't keep it together. What? I'm just kidding. Same. <laughs> From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, Presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th president of the United States. So now we meet Mark Lane, who's an attorney. Okay. (laughs) So he's already saying things like Oswald's alleged guilt. Okay. (laughs) We get all this old footage of Oswald saying constantly, I'm a communist, I'm this, I'm that, and I also don't have any legal representation, so if anyone's watching TV, girl, call me, because I'm in a a little bit of a pickle here. I can't tell you what room I'm going to be in, because I'm in a different room every 30 seconds. Right, because they don't even know where I should be. Secret? No one knows what's going on, because the president's dead and everyone's in a fucking panic so the thing that i will say is that this guy mark lane he's a defense attorney so he thinks like a defense attorney sure and he's saying first thing that made me think about this matter about oswald's alleged guilt was when i saw him on television as a defense lawyer i saw a guy and i thought he might be telling the truth when he said he didn't know anything he seemed really bewildered 
and someone says straight up, like, hey, Lee Harvey Oswald, did you kill the president? Did you kill the president? No, I've not been charged with that. In fact, nobody has said that to me yet. The uh, first thing I heard about it was when the newspaper reporters in the hall uh, asked me that question. And then the the same reporter says to him, You have been Nobody charged. said what? Sir? You have been Nobody charged. said what? Okay. 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 No, you've been charged. Yeah. You guys, I wrote this in huge point font. The look on Lee Harvey Oswald's face when he finds out that he's been charged. Imagine for one second that he didn't do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And maybe imagine for another second that he knows who did, or he was a part of the conspiracy and chickened out at the last minute, and somebody else did do mm-hmm. it. He did, and he actually is a patsy. The look that washed over his face in that moment was actually convincing to me. Really, it actually made me feel like, oh my god, he didn't do this. I'm not saying that I still. Yeah, think no, that, no, no, no. But no. in that moment, if I was a defense attorney and I saw that live on TV because it was live on TV, the attorney's just like, I thought if he had been in my office. I would have uh, taken his remarks very, very seriously. And it, it's, you guys, the story wasn't that old. You right. know what I mean? It, it, was, was, still, it was five minutes old. You know, like yeah. everyone is still like, wait, what? I know. And then the thing about, the thing about this moment too is as Oswald is being like let out of the room the 900th time, he leans over to a reporter and he goes, a policeman hit me. A policeman hit me. He says it in the like tattliest, like yeah. third grade voice. It made me want to hit him. Because it's so obvious he's got a big black eye, he's got like right. bruises on his face, and finally some reporter's like, Is anyone gonna talk about it? And right. says, like, what happened to your face, girl? Like yeah. says literally what happened to your face. And he's like, A policeman hit me. I just Because way- I killed one of them. Right, exactly. And the they, president. Uh, and then it's like the music changes. Right. It's like bum bum bum. Yeah, because it's like one of the historians is like, you know, most of the public believe that Oswald acted alone. And then it's like you can feel the dot dot dot. <laughs> That's what I have in my notes. There's a possibility, ellipsis, that he had held. But I'm like, ah! So then this other historian is saying, like, hold on, conspiracy theorists. Like, yeah. the evidence against Oswald was overwhelming. People had seen him enter and leave a Texas book depository. They found his rifle with his palm print on it. He shot a policeman. And the casings of the bullets found around the policeman's body matched his pistol. The only thing that was questioned was, would he confess or was he being framed? The question is like, well, is he going to confess or was he being framed? And it's like, oh my God, we're back here again? Right. (laughs) But then it's like, as soon as that question is asked, we're in the parking garage and he's being like led through and Jack Ruby walks up and shoots him and kills him. Yeah, and I have, oh my God, okay, in my notes. (laughs) Oh my God, okay, so November 24th, he's doing seemingly his 10th perp walk. Right. (laughs) This guy, if he was wearing his Fitbit, he was getting his steps in. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, his Fitbit. (laughs) Someone from the 60s is like, you're what? You got moxie, kid. Lee Harvey Oswald is walking, again, his 10th perp walk, and gets shot, and it's utter chaos. This is what chaos looks like. I know. I couldn't see it, because there were too many people between me. But I heard a pop, one, and then somebody said, they say his name is Jack Ruby. And I thought, oh my God, Jack Ruby. I know that guy, you know. I know it. And then, and then, even more, like you were saying earlier about the tape. Yeah, we see the tape of Lee Harvey Oswald's dead body being loaded into the ambulance. I it's know. crazy. Here comes Oswald. He's he is ashen and unconscious at this time. Now being moved in, he's not moving. 
You guys, we have to take a pause here because we don't get a lot about Jack Ruby. We get a little bit now. Yeah. Because the shooter was just like in plain sight and someone was like, oh shit, that's Jack Ruby. He runs that strip joint. <laughs> you guys, the news reporter calls it a strip joint. Two camera on the six o'clock news. The man who shot Lee Oswald has been identified as Jack Ruby, R-U-B-Y. He runs a place in Dallas called the Carousel Club, which is a kind of a strip joint and nightclub. He's been seen around the city hall for the last few days, and he was even handing out cards offering free drinks to reporters yesterday. Dallas runs the Carousel Club, which is sort of a strip joint and nightclub. The reporter says strip joint. Jack Ruby. He knows everybody in the mob, and he's handing out free drink tickets to reporters. Handing out free drink tickets. Hold on, let me kill this guy real quick. You guys want a free bourbon? It's on me. Frank uh, Frank might stop by later. You know, you know Frankie and Ava are on the outs right now, but hey, you never know who'll stop by. <laughs> giving out free drink tickets. He's giving out free drink tickets to the Carousel Club. I know. Jack Ruby. Uh, and we will find out. So the woman who comes forward later and says that she's the babushka lady was one of the strippers at the Carousel Club. Of course. And the thing is, the thing that we really land on for Jack Ruby right now is that because he killed Oswald, now there's even more mystery. I mean, that lingers to this day. I still don't know why Jack Ruby killed Oswald. Yes. They don't talk about it in this documentary. <laughs> but so this is where we get Priscilla's backstory. Remember the drag queen from the beginning? I love her. <laughs> this little old lady who knew both Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> and Kennedy. And no one's asking her any questions. <laughs> I was getting confused about if she was the secretary named Lincoln who worked for Kennedy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, where it's like Kennedy's uh, secretary, secretary was Lincoln and Lincoln's secretary was Kennedy. Yeah, and, and like, I was like, great. Wait, wait, she couldn't have worked for both of them. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> or could she have? Bum, bum, bum. So there was a time when Lee Harvey Oswald lived in Russia. He was like an expat living in Russia. Right. And so was she. She was like over there working for a newspaper. Yeah. And she gets sent to interview Lee Harvey Oswald. I know. So I went by his room. I wanted to ask him why he wanted to leave the United States. And he said that if he stayed in the United States, his fate would be like that of his mother. He would be poor. He would work hard. He thought he was more than he was. And he sought to identify himself with something big. And she later comes back to the United States and goes and works for Kennedy. It's great. Yeah. It's better than the secretary thing. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I feel like if you spell her name backwards, it's like Oswald did it. Yes. <laughs> um, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to weird math yeah. in, a, in a minute. Oh, my God. We'll get to some bullshit math in Did a you minute. guys know that the guy that the Kevin Costner character is based on a JFK is super homophobic? I didn't. Yeah, he blamed the gays for this. We'll get there. <laughs> uh. So now we have sort of like three, the three major conspiracies at the time, uh-huh. as of right now, like a couple days after the assassination. One, Fidel Castro influenced Lee Harvey Oswald to do it because Lee Harvey Oswald was a communist sympathizer, number one. Number two, a rogue CIA agent did it. <laughs> or three, the KGB ordered it. Exactly. And most of the people in the documentary are like, eh, they're all pretty valid if you ask me. <laughs> I'm like, what? I know. So yeah. basically, Johnson's president now. Mm-hmm. She is a conspiracy. Conspiracy theorist will find out. Doesn't believe a word anyone tells her. <laughs> and you guys, again, like, because all these phone calls were recorded. Yeah. We, ha- 
we have it all. Like the footage, the amount of stuff that we have from this it's time insane. is insane. Our girlfriend J. Edgar Hoover gets onto one of these calls. You know she's in her lingerie. Yeah, those fishnets. <laughs> Red. <laughs> Lounging on a piano, obviously, right? Is that not in the documents officially? Because wearing the heels with the little fuzzy stuff on it. Yes. Hey, Edgar Hoover on two one nine two. The commission believe that the same bullet that hit Kennedy hit Connolly. Well, I don't believe it. I don't either. And so I couldn't sign it. And I, I said that Governor Connolly testified directly to the contrary, and I'm not going to approve of that. And Jagger Hoover was like, yes, Queen. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, yes, sir. Yes, yes Mr. Sir. President. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, that was a little, I don't know what that, that was. As he, as he changes his legs, crosses his legs in the other direction and ashes the cigarette in a crystal ashtray, still lounging on the piano. She also went after the gays in her fucking fishnets and her, like, I know, and the, and the fuzzy shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Jagger Hoover girl, please. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, no bitch. Those tortoises and the Galapagos are like no. Oh, you that cannot bitch? be wearing fishnets and also hate the gate. You cannot do both. You can't. And also the the tortoises know exactly who killed JFK. That's the thing. You know that they have. They've been like arranging rocks to give us clues for thousands of years, even before it happened. Girl, you in danger, girl. Don't go to Dallas. <laughs> but what I was going to say was they, they assembled the Warren Commission. Johnson thought the best thing was creating an impartial commission of seven prominent men of unimpeachable reputations and that they could do an exhaustive investigation and put to rest the rumors. So crazy because it's like if they were to assemble a commission today, it'd be full of like women and minorities and people of color. And like it's like these seven Old white men. It looks like every image of all the people who discuss women's rights. <laughs> it's just like 65-year-old white dudes who just look mad. Totally. Anyway, you guys, it's time for the Zepperder film. Number one, there weren't that many people, it seemed like to me, like who went to see the president come to town. Yeah. But Abraham Zapruder like brought his new fancy camcorder. Right. <laughs> Whatever it was called back then. <laughs> to the to like see the and he just happened to be positioned in this exact spot where the president got shot going by. Abraham Zapruder picked the one location in Dealey Plaza that a Hollywood film crew would have picked if they were going to film the assassination. Within seconds, Zapruder knew he had an enormously valuable property. But so he hires a lawyer yeah. <laughs> and kind of like puts it up like who's going to pay me the big bucks to get their hands on this film? Because not only is it just like juicy and I hate saying it that yeah, way, but yeah. like the, the media wants it. But also it can help solve a murder. So a couple things happen at once here. So the, Dan Rather comes back because what they did was this attorney assembles the media and says, we're going to play this for you once and it's going to the highest bidder. Right. So Dan Rather's with like ABC or CBS News, whatever. They don't buy it. But Dan Rather goes on the air and explains what he saw. At that moment, when the president had his right hand up to this side of his face, he lurched just a bit forward. It was obvious that the first shot had hit him. Governor Connolly, with his coat open, his button was undone, turned in this manner. The governor was obviously hit by a bullet. Another bullet obviously hit the head of the president president's head went forward violently in this manner. He describes the president's head going forward upon right. being shot. Right. This becomes a major bone of contention because when you see the Zapruder film, his head goes back and to the left. It just does. I don't know why Dan Rather said that. It was clear that the head went back. But you can tell it in, in Life magazine. 
when they published it. The bullet hit him in the head and his head went backward. So here's the thing. I did a little Googling. Yeah. Because if you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone mm-hmm. and there was not another shooter from the front of the president. The grassy knoll. Right. Which is what you would think if you see the president's head go back and right. then he falls to the side. Uh-huh. What I've read is that the force of him going back can come from the exit wound. It exits in such a way that the president is forced it's just back. just the sheer force of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So who knows? Yeah, we're know. not scientists, guys. No. I mean, we are gorgeous and thin and brilliant. Brilliant in our own way. <laughs> but not like in a lab. Also, the Russian widow. Can we talk? Do we have to talk about her? Yeah, Marina. Lee Harvey Oswald's wife, Marina, is also around. And she meets with the commission who's trying to, all those white dudes yeah. who are trying to figure out what happened. They meet with her. Right, right, because she's got, she's got a story to tell. Oswald's widow was back for a second session with the Warren Commission's investigation of the assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy today and reportedly told the investigators she once locked her husband in a room after he threatened to kill former Vice President Richard Nixon. She had to lock him in a room one day after he threatened to kill Nixon. Girl, <laughs> I don't. I looked up his kids, by the way. So Lee Harvey Oswald had a bunch of kids. His daughter, I can't think of her name, was a month old when he died. No. Marina went and got remarried, and it wasn't until the daughter was like fourteen that she found out about her dad. Oh my! Because she had a different, a completely different name, and there was not yeah. even a conversation. And the the stepfather raised her. They lived way out in the country, like in the boondocks. Like nobody bothered them. Nobody brought it up. She heard the name. Lee around the house but one day she was like going through the attic and she found all these papers about Lee Harvey Oswald and she looked up who that was oh, and it was her dad my god yeah. I'm actually speechless I know <laughs> I can't even bl- imagine what your life what your life would be from your gut must be on the floor I know when you start reading and you're just like wait whoa, 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 wait a second I mean Hitler has relatives that live in upstate New York did you ever see that documentary no. where it's like finding the Adolf or finding the Hitlers or something because all these people are changing their names right yeah and no one wants to be like excuse me I'm it's Mr. Me. Hitler right. your, your prescriptions ready <laughs> Uh, Hitler party four. Can you imagine? Um, the Hitler, the Hitler family. It's pronounced Hitler. So what the commission starts to do now is they start trying to like recreate the assassination to see if it's possible that Lee Harvey Oswald can shoot three times from where he is in such a quick amount of time. So it's three bullets in six seconds. Right. So they set up a rifle where that rifle was. And they drove a car at the same speed by the same Secret Service men. And when they finished photographing it, they found that the foliage on the trees blocked a few seconds of the window of opportunity that Oswald had to fire the bullets. And for some reason, the documentary feels that we don't really want to any information on what they actually find. I want all of the information. Same. That's what I want this documentary to be. I know. And a little bit more about Jack Ruby. I know. <laughs> And maybe a little bit more about Marina. I'm, I'm fascinated by her. Yeah. But so they dangle that carrot and then they never get back to it. Right. And then it's like, that's it. And we're like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> but then the commission like publishes their report. They find that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Nobody's buying it. Right. And now like <laughs> Linda Johnson's on the phone getting all this information. And he's like, um, I don't, I'm not signing that. But what he does is he's not like, you have to do more research. You have to prove to me why. He's like, change. So can you just like write it in the report that not everyone agrees? <laughs> and then I'll sign it. And so I couldn't sign it. So I finally made him say there was a difference in the commission in that. Part of them believed it. That wasn't so. Johnson was not a dynamic president. Every time that he came on, I had to turn up the the computer. I couldn't hear him. Oh, mm. sing out, Louise. I know. So now, after they make that little that little change, where it's like it's this magic bullet theory. Not everyone agrees, but here it is. <laughs> and Johnson's like, sign it, stamp it, print. <laughs> Great. And then the 
they just release it to the world. Right. <laughs> and everyone loses their mind again. Right. Now, they make the point, and we're not going to get into this because it's boring and stupid, uh-huh. but they make the point that like the United States in particular was primed to not trust the government. Right. Because, you know, it was Vietnam, it and, was Vietnam and they weren't telling the truth about anything, and everyone was lying about everything, so why would they be telling the truth about the JFK assassination? Yeah, and it was like, it was a tumultuous time anyway, and now someone goes and kills the president. It's like, ugh. All right, you guys, who's ready to talk about Jim Garrison? Me. <laughs> Jim Garrison, the New Orleans District Attorney, helped elevate the Kennedy assassination from a forensic puzzle to was there a grand political motive where the bullets didn't really matter, where what really mattered was uh, who benefited. Did Lyndon Johnson benefit? Was it to keep the army in Vietnam? Was there a grand social purpose? And he, ladies and gentlemen, he's got some news for you. Your CIA killed your president. Yeah. And Lyndon Johnson has no time for her shit because he actually is like, well, either he's right or he's completely off his rocker. (laughs) This is the guy that JFK the movie is about. I mean, he is crazy. Right. uh, And total garbage. There you are, sweetheart. And (laughs) he's just a nightmare. And I think he is one of those people who loves to stir the pot but believes his own bullshit. Right. And is totally extreme and crazy and like wants to blame the gays for everything. And it's just a nightmare. He literally wants to blame the gays for everything. The the other thing to know is that at one point, Lee Harvey Oswald lived in New Orleans, which is why this guy Garrison has a little bit of jurisdiction. I mean, uh, barely. Barely. So this guy Garrison finds a guy named Perry Russo who was roommates with Lee Harvey Oswald when he lived in New Orleans. Perry Russo said that he knew a guy called David Ferry who had more or less told him he was in a conspiracy with Oswald. He came down, Perry Russo from Baton Rouge. The first four days they put him on polygraph three times. He failed all of those. And out comes the truth serum. <laughs> So they put him on sodium pentothal. I have a tape of Dr. Esmond Fatter leading the discussion on the sodium pentothal. I looked it up. I looked it up to see, like, does sodium pentothal actually work? And it basically, it relaxes you, but it also makes you very suggestible. Yeah, and it also makes you, like, kind of chatty. So, like, you want (laughs) to spill the tea, but you don't know. You're just like, there's that purple frog again. Like, so what tea, like... The tea might be scalding. Is it real? I don't know. <laughs> so, but we have tape of it. Yes. They put him under and there's tape of it. He sounds, so first we get like the hypnotizing where it's like you're walking down a right. hallway. Harry, this door is the entrance to a time tunnel. You needn't be worried about it because we're all here and we'll take good care of it's just like, is this, wait, is this really happening? Did, I know. did a government official commission a hypnotist and like pull out the truth serum? I know. And record it and about the assassination of the president and then the guy who killed him who was killed on camera by Jack Ruby who's handing out free <laughs> drink tickets? Like, is this real? <laughs> I can't, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. I know. And he just sounds really drugged. And basically, he describes a picture of walking into his apartment where his roommate, Lee Harvey Oswald, and some other guy are there and they're talking about how easy it would be to kill the president. He said it was so easy to do it. He said if we did it, he said I need three people at three different locations in a crossfire. And I heard that ten times before. 
he's whispering every answer, and they're like, can you describe, because he calls him like Leon, they're like, right. can you describe Leon, and he's like, muscular, looks really good in a t-shirt, he's got that strong jawline. <laughs> oh, what? so you asked, you're saying him describing. He's describing oh, it, he's right, describing the, the, the sorry, guy, sorry, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. under the Just a yeah. tight, like, white t-shirt. Mm, he like, killed. Pull, pulled tightly against his body. President. Oh, got it. And a cop. But they say, like, can you describe him? And he's like, he's dirty. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> He's dirty. I got brown hair. I got a beard on. I know what dirty clothes. This footage, and I'm like, no. oh my god! So the whole plan is like, you get different, like three different locations. It's exactly what all of the conspiracy theorists have been telling us for the last 45 minutes. 100%. Three different locations. You do it in a crossfire, and it's so easy to do it. And then you just fly to Cuba or Brazil, and it's all <laughs> gonna be fine. The thing is, I'm sorry, it's been 45 years or whatever. If this had happened, if there were two other shooters, we would know about it. I know. Somebody would have said something. I know. I know. It's. Uh, uh, we'll, we're never gonna know. Except we know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's lame. It's like the lamest possible answer. But like, you guys did it by himself. I know. So I know. But the bullet thing is, I just need someone who is great at physics to explain to I me know. why. I bet Robbie. I bet Robbie knows everything about physics. <sighs> Robbie, help. <laughs> so under the truth serum, Perry mentions this guy named Clay. Right. But it's Clay Bertrand, who was gay. And the historian who tells us about him really loves that it rhymes. <laughs> He's like, Clay... <laughs> was gay and he has like a little chuckle he gets a real kick out of it Perry Russo also connected David Ferry to a guy called Clay Bertrand who was um, gay so now he looked with a guy with the first name Clay who was gay You guys, then we get the bombshell. It's archival footage about how Garrison's investigation seems to always center on homosexuals. Garrison's investigation has seemed to concentrate on homosexuals. That, of course, is an old police trick, and homosexuals have been a particular target of Garrison's over the years. Even members of his staff have been privately critical of the emphasis on men whose deviation makes them vulnerable. Garrison is unperturbed, however. He points out that normal men don't plot to kill the President of the United States. This was so common in the 60s and the 70s. Like, if you were a super homophobe you would, and you had any power, you would just be mean to gay people. And the reporter tells us as much. All of a sudden, I had a problem with Oliver Stone. I was like, why are you making, why are you elevating the story of this man who's like just a blatant homophobe? Right. And the whole, the whole point is like, well, normal people don't kill the president. Yeah. Gay people aren't normal. Right. A gay person must have done it. That's, that's where they're- Can you imagine the queens getting together to kill the president? Girls, gather around. I've got a plan. Yeah, they would, there would have been plenty of evidence, the feathers and the right. glitter. <laughs> In the background of like the meeting, you just hear dun 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 dun. You guys turn it down. Be serious, guys. The meeting would commence and they'd be really serious for two minutes, but then they'd be on their second bottle of Pinot Gris. Yeah, just gossiping. Right. They all just came from the Carousel Club or Jack Ruby's. Their drink tickets. I'm not saying that gays can't murder. Obviously, they can. But the idea that a whole bunch of queens just like the gays didn't have enough to fucking worry about in the sixties. Sixties in New Orleans. Like, Are you kidding me? Give me a I know. Break. I can't handle it. So here's the thing. So now, in order to arrest this guy, Clay Shaw. This is so bonkers. Garrison needs to just pull shit out of thin air. Under Louisiana law, to charge Clay Shaw with any complicity in the assassination, there had to be some kind of overt act. So in other words, there had to be a plot session or Shaw had to go to Dallas or the Dallas people had to come. They had to meet. They had to know each other. So this guy Garrison's got to put him together. So he comes up with a formula. He's trying to connect him through some like numerology. And I'll tell you from the beginning that it's a simple hocus pocus act. 
But what Garrison did was take two five-digit numbers that was common to both Shaw and Oswald's address books. Transposing all the digits by choosing the nearest digit, then the farthest, then the nearest digit, Garrison managed to reduce the number 16901. Then he just takes an arbitrary number of 300 and throws that in there, and then you get 24601, and you know, these stole the loaf of bread, and bada bing, bada boom, it's done. It's like, like 24601. <laughs> but then the best part is that he gets a senator to explain it on TV. No, 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 this is how we connected it, you guys. Right. Let the senator explain it. Yeah, 5678 conspiracy. So if you take the P and the O and you use a telephone dial, P gives you 7, O gives you 6. You add 7 and 6 together, you get 13. Then you take the 19106, so the A, B, C, D, E basis. So you put A, A fall, comes ahead of E. Then you put... And so you, you reconstruct the numbers, and, and, that, and then you subtract 1,300, which you got from the P.O., and that gives you Ruby's unlisted telephone number. The shade of the filmmakers, where they do that thing where it's just like cross-dissolved transitions of him like just saying numbers. Right. So you take the 2 and you carry the 8, <laughs> and then you add Marilyn. <laughs> And a little bit of Jackie, because every woman's half of of the other. So the thing is, Jim Garrison is crazy pants to begin with. Yeah. Then he goes on television and he's like, anyone who questions me is now part of a major national conspiracy. Great job, everybody. You're all part of the problem. So, of course, Clay Shaw is acquitted. Right. And as Mike is walking through, like, as he's like, that guy's a piece of garbage, by the way. And I'm like, he is? I'm like, I don't have time to give him a goof. He's like, Clay Shaw sucks. He didn't do this, but he sucks. Yeah, he was like a big meanie in New Orleans. Yeah. See, so, you can be gay and be mean. Of course. It's like I wasn't single in New York in my 20s or something. Oh, my God. No, please, Remember the Talkspace ad when I'm like, and the challenges of being a member of the LGBT community, <laughs> and girl, do I know I'm about that. Yeah, of course. So, like, now all of this horrible stuff happens, right? Martin Luther King is killed. Right. I was totally looking in the background for our friend from the Whitey documentary who found the gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fitz or whatever his yeah, name was. Yeah, Fitzy. Then Bobby Kennedy, who was like the hope for America, right. he shot. All of this is like, yeah, Big Brother is watching. Everything is bad. Of course, it was a conspiracy to kill JFK. Right. And people are becoming assassination buffs. Right. Because there were so many. I know. So then Dan Rather comes back. Girl, where have you been? I know. Just the voice of reason, right? When we right. Her, seriously. And she's like, when times are really difficult, when complexity increases, I think it's very natural that people go to conspiracy theories. And sometimes conspiracy theories turn out to be true. Sometimes they can be proven. Cut to Nixon. <laughs> Literally, jump cut totally. to Nixon. If I have to watch that fucker with his fucking arms and the That's two fingers. stupid, I'm not a crook. Who is that? You are, though, girl. You most certainly are. So the thing is, you guys, the Nixon administration, there's tons of evidence that they were trying to assassinate, like, six foreign leaders. And yeah. who were they using? The good old boys in the mob. Exactly. The mafia. So we meet this guy whose name I should know, but I can't remember, but he's got a great head of hair. He is telling us how this select committee has been given carte blanche to look into everything. Right. And so they they decide to find out, like, who was JFK talking to around the time of his assassination? And this researcher came back with 75 phone calls between the White House and a number in Los Angeles. And it turned out to be a young woman at the time, Judith Campbell, who was an aspiring starlet, but had been introduced to John Kennedy by Frank Sinatra. And apparently, President Kennedy and Miss Campbell had uh, developed a friendship, say the least. 
There were 75, 75 calls. Meanwhile, Jackie is up in the residence, like tapping her watch and like swirling her wine glass. Where is my husband? She knows exactly where he is. <laughs> she knows exactly. <laughs> what idiot? But again, like in the time we live in now, in the 60s, it was like, no one's tracing anything. I no know. one has like, 75 calls from the Oval Office oh to Judith God. Campbell. Do you know about her? Of course I do. I gave her a goog really quickly, but I couldn't get much information. What's the story? Here's the thing. So Frank Sinatra and JFK were boys. And Frank Sinatra basically acted as a pimp for JFK. Right. He, and that's true. Like, he was yeah. just giving him girls. And Judith Campbell, she was, back in the 60s, they would call her a prostitute. Was uh, she a prostitute? She was a she was like a call girl. It, when Frank said hop to and I need you to take out, hang uh-huh. out with John, she it was she was just one of those. She was a party girl. Great. But you know God, that sounds fabulous. She totally had a cigarette holder. Oh god. Long, and a throng of gay and the best fuzzy friends. shoes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, she was just in the She Edgar who forgot most of his clothes from her. <laughs> totally. But here's the thing, Judith Judy, I'm calling her Judy. Yeah. Um she was also pals with Sam Giacana. Who was one of the leading, if not the most important mafia figure in America. Now the plot was terribly, terribly thick. And the thing is, like, JFK was in with the mob, you guys. I'm so sorry. Give it a goog. It's just yeah. a thing that happened. And if you give Judith a goog, there's a lot of theories that she was running money. And yeah. That, like, that JFK had hired somebody in the mob to help him get elected. And she's running money between everybody. There's a lot of playing dirty here. Yeah. A lot. So the thing is, you guys, the plot thickens. Because Sam Giacana was a major mafia figure. It's known that JFK was was dealing with the mob. Frank was giving him girls. It's just, it's a messy, messy thing. And then we learned that the government was like hiring mob hitmen to try to take out Castro and six other leaders. So the conspiracy theory of like maybe the mob, you know, Jack Ruby knew the mob, right? Right. So maybe Jack Ruby killed... Lee Harvey Oswald because he knew too much. It's just like it feeds all that. It's another one of those dangling threads of like it could be that but we don't have any solid evidence. Exactly. It's fun to talk about the mob and the gays and the (laughs) cross-dressing. It's just fun. You know it's fun. So people began to ask had the mafia ordered Ruby to kill Oswald? So this is the last time we hear about Jack Ruby. This is important, though, because one of the talking heads is saying that, like, when Jack Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah. it wasn't a thing that had been planned for days and days and days. People that say, well, Ruby was part of a conspiracy. Remember that the word was that they were going to move Oswald at about 10 o'clock, no earlier than that. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning, he's scheduled to be moved from here to the county courthouse. Jack Ruby slept until 9 in the morning. He went down to like the UPS store to send a telegram. At like 11.15. So he wasn't, it wasn't like he was like, TikTok, I got to be there for the 10 o'clock move so I can kill this guy. And he had the dog with him. And this is so funny to me because as one of the talking heads is like. The fact that he left the dog in the car indicates to me that he thought he was going down to send a telegram and go back home. There's just a slow zoom on the photo of the dog. (laughs) Like, it's the most serious thing. The dog's name is, like, Ginger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. But that slow zoom, like, in the burbs where they're zooming in on everyone's face and then they slow zoom on the little poodle. It was just, like, the drama about the dog. Leave the animals out of it. But, so, Ruby, like, saw this crowd and he went to see what it was and saw that it was Lee Harvey Oswald and just decided to kill him. And we just have this audio of him being like, uh, you know, curiosity just got the best of me and I made this illegal left turn or whatever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I know. The ironic part of this is... And I made an illegal turn behind the bus to the parking lot. Had I gone the way I was supposed to go, straight down Main Street, I would never have met this fate. 
And I'm like, but talk about why you killed him. Here's the thing, though. So the whole point here is that, like, the last 10 minutes of the movie is, like, conspiracy theories are really fun to think about. There was no conspiracy theory here. Yeah. Like, if there was any conspiracy, we would know about It's been 40 years. Yeah. None of these threads hold up. None of anything. No one talked. No one came forward. No one said anything. And that's my thing with Jack Ruby. Was that I was like, wait, I don't know anything about Jack Ruby. Yeah. How do I not know why, who hired him to kill Lee Harvey Oswald? Why he did it? And the answer is probably just because he did it in the spur of the moment. I think if Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, which is like where things are going, unless a physicist, like f- please, someone who knows physics and science and math and smart things, yeah. like please t- explain to me how that can happen. But I, I don't know. I keep going back I to know. some kind of mob thing. Am I we crazy? Am I a dummy? No, because it be, it's much more exciting to think of it that way. But, you know, this guy Norman Mailer, he's, Norman Mailer was like a famous writer. He looks like the grumpiest mean old grandpa. Yeah. Like when we see him, I'm like, ugh. Every time I see him, I'm like, I ugh. can't believe He's in this documentary. I know. It's, I he can't looks, believe it. He looks like a grumpy Santa. Like Dan Rather makes sense. Yeah. Norman Mailer. I know. Question what mark. are you doing here? Hmm. And Norman Mailer, like, he's one of the. He was very, very, very famous in his day. He his whole reason for being here is that he tried to prove a conspiracy. He really wanted a conspiracy yeah. to exist. Yeah. And when he couldn't find one, he started studying Oswald. Oswald is always seen as this illiterate, who was sort of stupid, and didn't have too much on the ball. And that was not Oswald's view of himself. His intelligence was there. He wasn't a great intellectual, but he was a fairly good one. And for an uneducated intellectual, he was damn bright. And again, he kind of was fascinated by Hitler, not because he agreed with Hitler, but because Hitler was an example of somebody who started out poor with no connections. There are plenty of people, girl. Pick somebody else. I know. I know. Hitler, one, party of seven. One, like, stop <laughs> with the Hitler. One million percent. But the point is that the assassination of JFK would work for him either way. If he committed the crime, if he assassinated Kennedy and got away with it, then he would have an inner power that no one could ever come near. And if he was caught, well, then he was quite articulate. He would have one of the greatest trials in America's history, if not the greatest. And he would explain all his political ideas. And he would become world famous and might have an immense effect upon history, even if he was executed. And then it was like the impulsive decision to kill that cop. That's when he knew he was fucked. Yeah. When he shot Tippett, I think at that point he knew he was doomed because he could no longer make the great speech. But if you shoot a policeman, forget it. You're a punk. And so after he was caught, he did nothing but protest his innocence and say, I'm a patsy. Well, our friend Priscilla comes back and she's like, um, real quick, like, I'm just going to end with this. Yeah. He'd done very difficult things in his life and he'd done them alone. Anybody who thinks that he wasn't capable of planning something and carrying it off alone is wrong. Even wronger would be to think that somebody else could get him to do anything they wanted him to do. He didn't do anything with anybody. Girl, we did it! We did it. I loved that movie. I, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. It's right up our alley. And it, we've got so much Lady Jagger Hoover. I can't. I love it so much. I know, I know. 
You guys, don't forget to check out our merch store. Our <gasps> husband Steve worked so hard on it. I know. It looks so good. I know. Come see us live, you guys. Our New Orleans show is sold out. Our Chicago shows are very, very close to being sold yeah, out. Yeah, and you guys, keep those witchy recommendations coming for New Orleans. Come see us live February 9th in New York, you guys. Two shows, a 7 and a 9.30. About good old Charlie Manson. Charlie Manson. I'm hosting a, a 5 o'clock meetup before that, so you can meet and become best friends with everybody. I'll be there. Are you coming? Oh, of course I'm coming. And we're going to hammer it at the bar after. Every time you say, like, you're hosting, I'm just like, wait, do people think I'm not coming? <laughs> And you guys, just one more time, don't forget to get the Patreon, binge the staircase, binge the cereal, binge the jinx. You guys are at episode three of Making a Murderer. It's, I'm loving doing the Making a yeah. Murderer. You just sounded like just such a dad. Binge the cereal. Go on the <laughs> online and download our Patreon content. Listen to the cereal and all of it about the Adnan. Girl, what are we doing next? We're going back to cults. <laughs> Jonestown, the life and death of the People's Temple, you guys. It's for free on YouTube. You can watch it for free on YouTube, you guys. I'm, I've been dying to do a Jonestown doc. I know, well, don't put it, though. Oh, God. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah, ooh. Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on Twitter. At True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. Follow us. Yeah, and truecrimeobsessed.com. That's everything, you guys. The merch, the live shows, link to the Patreon, all promo of the- Promo codes. The promo codes, all of it. Episodes. Of it. Epi- oh, right. <laughs> Episodes. You guys, this week the palette cleanser is going to be from- Assassins. Assassins. Our- Steven Sondheim, classic. Yeah, our friend Rob Johnston was like, girls, you're obviously doing Assassins, <laughs> right? We're like, yes, Rob, of course. I don't know what song it's going to be yet. It'll be a surprise when we get there. Great. I love you guys. I love you guys too. Happy holidays and yes. we'll see you in a little bit. Yeah, bye. All right, bye. Happy New Year. Happy 2019, everybody. It's oh, going to be let's a great do one. This. Uh, bye. Bye. Nobody joins a cult. Nobody joins something they think is going to hurt them. You join a religious organization, you join a political movement, and you join with people that you really like. I think in everything that I tell you about Jim Jones, there's going to be a paradox. Having this vision to change the world, but having this whole undercurrent of dysfunction that was underneath that vision. Some people see a great deal of God in my body. They see Christ in me, a hope of glory. He said, if you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. As you see me as your father, I'll be your father. He said, if you see me as your God, I'll be your God. Jim Jones talked about going to the promised land. And then pretty soon we were seeing film footage of Jonestown. Rice, black-eyed peas, Kool-Aid. We all wanted to go. I wanted to go. People's Temple truly had the potential to be something big and powerful and great. And yet, for whatever reason, Jim took the other road. On the night of the 17th, it was still a vibrant community. I would never have imagined that 24 hours later they would all be dead. Die with a degree of dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. There's nothing to death, it's just stepping over in another plane. Don't, don't be this way. I also want the tortoises to like me like I want Kathleen Zellner to like me. <laughs> I want to be on that level because I just want them to trust me and know that like, I'm a good person. Because if they don't like me, then it means that something is going to happen. It's true. I love them.
Can I tell you my favorite Sarah Silverman joke? Sure. How did they decide to name the movie 300? Do you remember the movie 300? Yeah, it's that stupid movie that I didn't see about but, uh, about like all Vikings the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So Sarah Silverman's joke is how do they decide to name the movie 300? What? <laughs> they decided to name the movie based on how gay it was on a scale from 1 to 10. <laughs> Because it's all just like muscular dudes and like loincloth. Right, fighting. How gay it was on a scale from one to ten. <laughs> I see you, Sarah, and I agree with you. I said Mer- I said Merkel last week in the Rothy's ad, oh, and I, know. I got <laughs> I got so much shit for it. I know. I know about the shit you got. I- <laughs> That's all I knew about. Do you know that I re- there, there's a couple of times that Lee Harvey Oswald is in profile and he looks so much like the actor Jim Parsons that I was like, oh my God, <laughs> how has Jim Parsons not done a one man show about Lee Harvey Oswald? <laughs> anyway, so this guy Clay Shaw, is who is played by Tommy Lee Jones in JFK, looks exactly like Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yes. I mean, he looks exactly like Tommy Lee Jones. When Mike pointed that out to me like an idiot, I was like, great casting. Like, I know anything. <laughs> Prisoner 24601, sell that loaf of bread. <laughs> You guys, the latest joke, if you don't know it. Uh, (laughs) Wrong podcast, if you don't know. Exactly. The Les Mis reference. How have we not been referencing 24601 in every episode? It's the funniest thing ever. actual true crime. It's true. I am going to the Lordy. I shall be remembered. I am going to the Lordy. Look on the bright side, not on the sad side. Inside the bad side, something's good. This is your golden opportunity. You've been a preacher. Yes, I have. You've been an author. Yes, I have. You've been a killer. Yes, I have. You could be an angel. Yes, I could. Wait until tomorrow. Tomorrow they'll all climb aboard. What if you never got to be president? You'll be remembered. Look on the bright side. Trust in tomorrow.